Welcome to the Smart Weight Loss Coaching Podcast. I'm Dr. Lisa Olson, a board-certified weight loss medicine specialist and certified life coach. In this podcast, I'll share fresh insights and effective techniques for incorporating mindset, habit change, and proven science into your life. Are you ready to achieve sustainable weight loss, wellness, and longevity? Then let's jump in and lose weight the smart way. Today, we're going to talk about weight loss phenotypes. There's not just one way that we gain weight and not just one way that our excess weight impacts us. So it makes sense that we all come to weight loss from a different place. In my role as a weight loss physician specialist, I cannot put everyone on the same program because that simply won't work. We know that weight gain is due to a myriad of factors, including genetic and environmental influences. For a moment, let's talk about genetics. We know of over 150 different genetic variations that contribute to our weight. Many of us carry multiple changes in our genome that make us vulnerable to weight gain. Have you heard the terms genotype and phenotype? Your genotype is your set of genes coded in your DNA that's responsible for a particular trait. Your phenotype, on the other hand, includes your observable traits or characteristics, which are often influenced by your genes, as well as by environmental and epigenetic factors. Let's look at an example from the animal kingdom. Did you know that flamingos are naturally white in color? I had no idea until I was searching for an example of genotype and phenotype for you. Flamingo genes code for white feathers. So why do they have a pink phenotype? It's due to the pigments in the organisms that they eat that cause their feathers to turn from white to pink. We'd say flamingos have a white feathered genotype, but a pink phenotype. How about another example, this one with smoking or tobacco use? Consider the fact that some people who smoke for years go on to develop lung cancer. Others develop bladder, throat, esophageal, or mouth cancer. Still others succumb to heart attack, strokes, or emphysema directly related to smoking. Then there are some people, like my dear departed granny, who have nothing more serious than prematurely wrinkled skin from smoking. Why is that? Mainly genetics, but also environmental issues are at play here. A person's genotype might make them vulnerable to cancer from smoking, add alcohol to the mix, and now we have a phenotype likely to develop throat or esophageal cancer. Okay, now let's turn this conversation back to weight. We all know people who seem to be exceptions to the rule, right? Someone who isn't the healthiest eater but never gains weight, or someone who simply looks in the direction of a cookie and seemingly gains five pounds. You may have the genetic predisposition to carry excess weight, but if you only have access to healthy food and you're working a physically active job, you may never develop an overweight phenotype. 
Conversely, you may look at your grandparents and parents and wonder why they didn't have challenges with their weight when you have struggled for years. Perhaps you have a job that requires you to sit at your computer all day and you rarely get to move. Or maybe you're busy juggling kids' activities so you're more likely to hit the drive through for dinner once or twice a week. Over time, these things can lead to an overweight phenotype. Our weight phenotype shows up in other ways, too. Perhaps you're a person who gains weight when you're stressed out, while your best friend loses weight when she's stressed. Or perhaps you find that you do better with a low-carb diet, while your friend seems to benefit from a low-fat diet. It's never been one-size-fits-all when it comes to weight loss. Eventually, precision medicine testing will be the best way to approach weight loss, but for right now, we have to approach it with some tolerance for trial and error. Incidentally, there are plenty of people selling things for weight loss that claim to include precision medicine. Just know that we're not quite there yet, although science is moving along at a rapid clip. Continuous glucose monitoring is an example of a way to learn more about your specific phenotype that's already getting more useful with each passing year. In over a decade of helping people with weight loss, I can usually see what caused their weight gain, and happily, I can typically see the path forward for weight loss. Even though that path may not be linear, and even though we're genetically different, It's the rare person who can't lose weight. The most important characteristic is a willingness to be patient. It takes time to figure out the plan that best supports your phenotype. There's a famous study called the Pounds Lost Study. Researchers compared four different diets for weight loss and followed over 800 study participants for two years. The diets varied. Some were high-protein, others low-protein. Some high-fat, others low-fat. And there was also variation in the amount of carbohydrates. The Pounds Law study concluded that there was no diet found to be superior to the others for weight loss. People were able to lose weight on all four of the diets. That is, until they did a deeper dive and discovered that people with different variants of the FGF21 gene responded quite differently to different diets. If you have one variant of the gene, you might do better with one specific diet compared to another. I expect that during my career, we'll reach a point where we run a panel of lab tests to determine which intervention is best for each person's weight loss program. While we don't yet have the genetic predictors all figured out, we can use principles to test out different approaches. Taking a family history, for example, may also be helpful here. One interesting thing about that Pounds Lost study Attendance was a predictor of success, whatever your genetic makeup and whatever your assigned diet was. If you simply show up and engage in that program or any program, it increases your chance of success. I see this in my program all the time. The more engaged people are, the more they build up their distress tolerance when they try something and it doesn't work, the more they're willing to pivot to something else and keep showing up relentlessly, the better they do with weight loss. 
Coming back to genetics, there are studies looking at twins and also parent-child pairs that tell us success with weight loss surgery is highly correlated with genetics. When we look at people having weight loss, or as I like to call it, metabolic surgery, we typically see a range of 10 to 11% in terms of variation in the weight loss amount. In other words, we can predict how much weight people will lose from weight loss surgery within a range of about 10%. When we look at identical twins having weight loss surgery, on the other hand, we see less than 1% variability in how much weight people lose. So if you want to know whether or not metabolic surgery might help you lose weight, it may inform your decision to know how close relatives did with their metabolic surgery. If you have a relative who had gastric bypass and never lost much weight from it, which would be uncommon, by the way, you might choose to take medication for weight loss rather than undergoing a surgical procedure. Some people are highly responsive to medications. And of course, unless you're living under a rock somewhere, you've certainly heard a lot of buzz about the GLP-1 inhibitors and similar medications that are available and coming down the pike for weight loss. Most people taking Wegovy for weight loss or Ozempic or Manjaro for diabetes, for example, are losing weight at a rate they never dreamed possible. However, there are also non-responders to these medications, just as there are non-responders to weight loss surgery. In my practice, I occasionally see people who don't lose weight on Wagovi, which is also called semaglutide, by the way. They're often crushed because they think of this as a miracle drug after seeing information about it online or hearing about it from their friends. But I might put that person on one of our older weight loss medicines like Qsimia or even Contrave and find that they respond beautifully to these old tried and true, but typically less effective medications. The message here is that we are all different with varied genotypes and phenotypes. Many people tap into my toolbox of weight loss tools in different ways over time. Using medication five years after you had metabolic surgery doesn't mean you failed surgery. It may simply mean that your best treatment was always going to be a combination of surgery plus medication based on your genotype. When I first start working with someone, I touch base on the four pillars of weight loss, which are nutrition, movement, sleep, and stress. We know that if someone is stressed out, sleep-deprived, not exercising, not eating well, or is having a disruption of their circadian rhythm, their sleep-wake cycle, they're more likely to gain weight. Any one of these changes can throw off your ability to lose weight. But here's the interesting thing. Only a subset of people have all four of these pillars as predictors of weight. If we work to improve your sleep, it may help with weight loss. But if you're sleeping better for a few months and you see no change in your weight, then we'd conclude this may not be an area of importance for you when it comes to weight loss. I have a client like that. She struggled with insomnia her entire life. And so we worked on sleep as part of her weight loss program. 
While she was glad to sleep better for other reasons, it didn't seem to make a difference with her weight. The good news is that when she made a job change that resulted in much less stress, then her weight loss took off. Her weight was highly sensitive to stress, while yours might be highly sensitive to sleep, duration, or quality. Maybe you're eating pretty well, you're active, your stress is okay, and you're getting enough sleep, but you still can't seem to lose weight. It could be that your sleep cycle is off. If you're staying up until 4 a.m. and sleeping until noon, maybe that's what you need to focus on to activate weight loss. Circadian rhythm has a tremendous impact on weight for some people, if that's your phenotype. That's why we see higher rates of obesity in people who do shift work, especially when their shifts are subject to change. If you're feeling frustrated because you've tried everything to lose weight, take heart. Everything you've done up to this point has prepared you for your future success. You learn something about yourself every time you try a new approach. It's not a wasted effort. When you've tried this or that and it didn't seem to work well for you, it's simply time to pivot. I generally encourage people to adhere to whatever approach they're taking for at least a month, ideally up to three months, before pivoting and trying something new. The best results happen when we stay out of frustration and remain patient during this time of trial and error. In fact, I like to think of it as trial and learn. It's neither an error nor a failure when we double down on an approach and learn more about our own phenotype for weight loss. Now let's turn our attention to your NBA for today, your next best action. I'm going to share two NBA ideas for your consideration, or you can certainly make up your own. The first idea is simply to practice patience with anything you try, whether it's a new way of eating, a new form of exercise, a new medication, or an attempt to learn to meditate as a way to manage your stress. Patience plus tracking what you're focusing on this month is a fantastic NBA and will elevate your success rate beyond just patience alone. Another MBA may simply be to do something different. If you're doing the same thing over and over, like restricting your calories in an effort to lose weight, maybe it's time to pivot. While I don't believe there's any specific diet that's superior for everyone, I often find a Mediterranean lifestyle is worth trying for a few months. Or you may find yourself drawn to the more strict Whole30 approach. If so, fine. Give it a shot for 30 days to get in the habit of eating minimally processed food, and let's see how that works for you. Whatever you do, remember, you may not have the power to change your genotype, but you do have the power to influence your environment and phenotype. You've got this. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like more support during your smart weight loss journey, check out our group coaching program at smartweightlosscoaching.com. Until next time, stay well and stay smart.